Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solve. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have a mini-series on the podcast. I've never done this before. podcast has been going for two and a half years. We've never had a mini-series yet, but I feel quite strongly about this. Because today is International Women's Day. And 70% of the attendees on my courses are female. Uh, The course is Creating Confident People Leaders and Creating Confident Change Leaders. 70% of attendees are female. So I wanted to engage in conversations with confident women leaders to understand their stories, their journeys, some of the pain points and some of the advice they've got for fellow women leaders that might be starting the journey, but they can be inspired and motivated to be the female leader that they want to be. So that is what I want to get out of the next few weeks. Today is the very first episode and we get an opportunity to chat with Claire Muscat. Enjoy. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, then please, please do. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the amazing pleasure of chatting with Claire Musker. Claire is a CEO from Women in CX. She's also a keynote speaker and fellow podcast host. How the devil are you, Claire? I'm so good. And it's so nice to be called Claire again, because I'm not <laughs> north originally. And down south, no one calls me Claire. So I just had a little slice of home then. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, you're very welcome. I, I didn't realise I, I had an accent. No, 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 it's a little one. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just a hint. <laughs> so, so for those people who don't know who you are, who are you? And have you got to sit in that seat today? Who am I? You know, I frequently ask myself this question because <laughs> I guess I'd probably say I am currently undergoing my own transformation. And um, from where I started to where I am today, it's it's been a pretty long road. So as you said, these days, founder and director, you didn't mention this, of one business called CM Experience, which is a consulting agency, but also um, now about to launch my latest business, which is as the CEO of a women's only community called Women in CX. So yeah, do you want me to go back uh, to the beginning? <laughs> so, so maybe not to the very, very, very beginning. <laughs> I mean, okay. But yeah, you go back quite a far. So I, yeah, I guess I, have you got to have you got to this place? <laughs> yeah. So so I'm going to go back quite far uh, because when I was a kid, I was determined that I was going to be a show jumper. I was going to ride horses and that was going to be my livelihood. I actually went to uni and did a degree in equine studies with business management. I was that convinced I was going to do it. And then in my third year at uni, I had a really bad riding accident and hurt my back to the extent I couldn't ride anymore. So at that point, I had to find a new career. So I said that was like reinvention number one. And I was just really lucky, I guess, that I was good at marketing, the part of the course when you're marketing horses. I don't know if I was ever going <laughs> to use that. And uh, I, I got a 2-1. So I got to go to the University of Birmingham, Redbrook University, discovered like what it was like to be around, you know, genuinely academic, super intellectual people. And I was really surprised that I fit in because I'd always really considered myself as, you know, I was going to be limited to being the stable girl. (laughs) And that was my career aspiration. So my aspirations grew massively once I was around um, all these incredibly smart people with big ambitions. 
And I basically hit off on the traditional trajectory of a corporate career, you know, starting as a graduate, initially in operations for Whitbread. Um, I worked all the way through my university days in hospitality. So that meant as soon as I left uni, I got on a graduate scheme in operations. I was running hotels and restaurants at 23, which is a lot of responsibility. You should never let um, someone that's that recently out of uni to be in charge of beer. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I found my way into customer experience through basically uh, being the the youngest member of a a senior management team in the area. Everyone else was male, pale and a bit stale. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, And and I'd like based my business on looking after my employees and really thinking about how I treated my customers. And they were all focused on profits. And I was like, I think if I do it my way, the results are going to take care of themselves. And they did. So I emerged at the end of the first year of ever running a hotel and restaurant with a pretty much all green scorecard. And that got me the recognition to get promoted into my first office job. Um, And I basically kind of fiddled around with different areas of customer experience for a few years, data data and analytics, like looking after insights and measurement and that kind of thing. Then into brand, looking at proposition and standards Um, And I had this like big idea that if you could bring some of these strands together and join them all up and think about it from the customer point of view, what could happen? Um, But the marketing director at the time didn't think that (laughs) that was my job. So I went and found a job that was that job. And it kind of randomly happened um, that someone reached out to me. They'd seen me talking about all of this stuff when social media was in its really early days about, you know, this idea I had. And she was like, come to Marks and Spencer and do it exactly what you want I'll give you a hundred grand investment and you can work out exactly how to make it happen and I did and it delivered 15% return on investment and for the next few years I was set just developing this model of um, kind of customer experience capability employee experience understanding and listening to your employees (laughs) and and listen you know and actually figuring out what what would work Um, and I went on to do that like for loads of different organizations under compass groups so like british airways first class lounge was an example it was pretty cool um <laughs> in like, um, marks and spencer as the tesco lots of retailers right up to like uh city banks in the center of london and canary wharf um and then in 2012 i got headhunted to go to sainsbury's so the wow. uk's second largest retailer and yeah that opened my eyes to omnichannel and digital um and basically this model that I'd created worked there as well but when you're talking about 190,000 employees and 32 million customers and 30 odd billion of revenue you only have to turn the dial a little bit and the results are huge so one of the first projects that I delivered there returned four million pounds return on investment and into the CX world as you know that's not an easy no mean feat yeah um, so yeah, so basically won loads of awards and got um, lots of accolades, became a keynote speaker off the back of the work that I did. So started getting flown out to places like Australia, business class, blows my mind how it happened. Um, and then um, I was promoted to what I thought was my dream job when I began in customer experience of being in senior management as the head of the department. And I was like, aren't I supposed to feel something now? Like I've made it and I didn't feel that. And actually it felt quite oppressive. Um, And as I've discovered travel through my keynote speaking, you'll see the sign behind my head, she loves adventure. Um, I'd had a taste of a life that I didn't imagine I would ever have. And my next reinvention was that I quit my very successful corporate city job and went went it alone. Started um, CM Experience Limited after a three month break of riding horses again and cooking and like doing stuff like exercise that when I had my corporate life, I was so ensconced in um, work. I never had time to and 
I materialized to me that I was going to have my own customer experience design agency. Um, and within six months, we hit six figures. It was a whirlwind. I was flying around the world, serving clients in Australia, New Zealand, <laughs> South wow. Africa. Yeah, it was, it was, it, felt, it feels miraculous looking back now. Um, but obviously when coronavirus happened, I just finished my first book and was about to publish it. Um, and bearing in mind, my pipeline relied upon going to these keynote speeches and clients seeing me and talking and want them wanting to work with me. Um, literally my diary emptied, all my sales pipeline dried up. Um, the existing client work I had on all of their budgets got cut for it. And I found myself alone at home. My housemate moved out, my relationship ended. And in probably March, April time, 2020, I thought my world was ending. I really genuinely did. Um, and I had a lot of people, I think, you know, slipped into depression. I completely lost my confidence <laughs> in myself. And um, yeah, it was amazing, actually, that that is what led me to where I am today, starting a new business, which is the fact that I felt so isolated and alone. I started reaching out to all these women that I'd met on social media in CX. And I was like, fancy a Zoom. <laughs> I, I know you've never met me and I just like and comment on your stuff a lot and like cheer your stories, but you fancy a chat? And everyone, everyone I spoke to was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then the conversations that we had on these Zooms, I realized like we were talking about customer experience, but actually we were talking about like our life stories and the things that had happened to us and how we were experiencing life like during a pandemic and the connections that we made made me realize I was not on my own with this 100% everybody and all the women I spoke to were going through very similar emotions very similar feelings and um yeah basically some of those conversations I called them back and I was like do you like to do that as a podcast they said yes and the women in CX podcast was born so I spent pretty much nine months just solely focusing on my podcast um no work was really coming in I stopped chasing it um, and worked for nothing building the brand that is now about to launch as an online membership community um, I got some investment from some very kind sponsors in <laughs> some very big companies um, who gave us the money to start up and bankroll basically nine women working on pretty much every continent in the world to help me um, build the platform of this like new tech startup that's going to be empowering women around the world to support, inspire, and grow together uh, through collaboration. And it's, it's, it's been an amazing ride. I feel like I finally found my purpose and it's nothing to do with flying around to push destinations now. It's about genuinely making meaningful connections with women and helping them have the same experience I've had of triumphing over adversity through sisterhood. Wow. Was like, <laughs> did I say that all in one breath as well? feels like. Yeah, it. wow, wow. So... <laughs> That's one hell of a journey, one hell of a story. Um, and and a, a lot of people, I imagine, can relate to that for a whole host of different, um, for different reasons. And, and when you tell that, you, you feel it as you're, as you're telling it as well, don't you? Um, <laughs> one, one thing I, I want to say, and I don't wanna, I'm, not, not gonna try, I'm not trying to detract from the story. I'm going to get into that in, in a second. Why do you say book and not book if you're from up north? <laughs> Do you know what? It's really funny. I don't know when I lost it. So I've lived down south since 2010. I lived in the Midlands for a while, so I think it started to wear off. But I found myself saying glass when I moved to London. Wow. <laughs> That's what everyone else said. <laughs> and, and it just kind of disappeared. So book, cook, glass, path. But I still yeah. say grass. 
Got you, got you. So you're, you're semi-posh then, semi-posh. So, well, I know, but I never used to be, honestly. I was like, I was like born um, in Liverpool and then raised in Cheshire. So yeah. I had like this kind of mixed scal- scally scouts accent yeah. <laughs> growing up. And, and I guess when you move around a lot, it just... Yeah. Leaves you. <laughs> it does. So, I mean, you've got you've got an amazing story there from, from the horses um, through your journey back on horses and then mm-hmm. to, to what you're... Back on the horse. <laughs> you got back on the horse, yeah. And uh, <laughs> metaphorically and physically, you got back on the horse, didn't you? A number yeah. of times through your story. Um, yeah. What kept you going? Do you know what? It's really hard to put my finger on it, but each time, each time like I lost or felt like I lost something big, um, it showed me that there was so much room for growth. But what I had to do was really work on myself through each of those times. And each time it was like a, pe- a layer of the onion came off in terms of <laughs> knowing myself and connecting with my my purpose, my why, my, the real me. And I think when you're conditioned in a corporate environment, you get kind of to the point where you believe actually that's all you are, you know, your job title and um, the seniority, the zeros on a paycheck. I don't know how it happens, but um, I think for a lot of women, we attach our identities to that. So in times of kind of crisis, an identity crisis, it was always about um, kind of like going within, reaching out for help, getting the support I needed to do that next stage of growth. And I can't honestly say um, any of those things that happened to me were really ever bad because each time, I mean, maybe it'll happen again. I don't know. Um, I found a new level of strength and resilience. Yeah. Um, But 2020, I think was the worst one for me because I'd gone through that kind of losing everything and starting again and having that huge success, but little I'd realized I'd done it all over again because I'd then identified as this, a really successful woman who could build a six-figure business in six months who flew around the world. And then when I didn't have that again, it was like, ah, remember, it isn't about that. It's about you, your relationship with yourself and how you feel inside. Yeah, so when you talk about your relationship with yourself, because mm-hmm. so, um, I'm a big advocate of um, always being yourself for a whole host of reasons. Um, so uh, I, I don't want to talk about me. This is all about you. But two years ago, <laughs> uh, two years ago, I lost my best mate. And um, I had an amazing opportunity to talk with him in the leading up to his passing um, about what three things are the most important things to him in his, mm-hmm. in his life when he's reflecting on his life. And he was 39. It was cancer that got him. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to chat with him. And, and he said to me, he said, um, he said, lesson one, he said, when he, when he was splitting up with his ex-partner, uh, he said that he tried to be somebody that that she, he thought she wanted him to be and didn't make him happy, didn't make her happy. And he says, um, always be yourself, no matter what, just always be yourself. And for the last two years, I've been trying to understand what that means to me. And it's about, for me now, this is about me understanding the, how important my thoughts are that that manifest themselves in the outside world, however, mm-hmm. however that be. And your thoughts drive your behavior and your feelings and things. But mm-hmm. to you to overcome this, the adversity and the journey that you've been, what does finding yourself mean to you? And, and if somebody is in that, like, like that, that place where they need to find themselves, how do they do it? Yeah. So I suppose it's saying like for anyone out there who is feeling like um, they're fundamentally unhappy and there might not be anything wrong in your situation. Like there wasn't for me, you know, I had everything on paper 
um, but just something not sitting right or um, a lot of women that I talk to similar feeling of you know the awful boss but you keep going to work every day and you're trying and giving it your damnedest um, in the hope that things will change um, I think for me the first thing is about being true to yourself and being able to be brave enough to step away from that um, and actually believing that there's a better situation you might not know what it is yet and it might be difficult until you <laughs> find your way through but not staying there um, similarly with relationships I think I, I experienced domestic violence a long time ago and I stayed there for five years and I think for women it's you know we think better the devil we know than the devil we don't and I know for women who have children I don't um, and long-term partners that kind of risk of upheaval to find yourself is is, is very off-putting um, and for me it came in many forms you know it was forced change in men, in ways some ways like the horse riding I couldn't do that anymore so what was it going to do an enforced per- perceptively bad situation that enabled me to discover I was actually really really smart <laughs> and I could go to a red brick university and do really well I yeah. didn't know that and if that hadn't happened to me it wouldn't have so I think there's kind of that mindset of seeing what comes your way that it might feel bad right now but as an opportunity uh, to grow. Um, when you say about what does finding yourself mean, I, I kind of accidentally found myself on the occasions when I traveled solo. So I, again, I had no idea. I didn't go looking to find myself, <laughs> but the experience of um, traveling in foreign countries on my own, I'd never been anywhere you know, by myself really. No, 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 you know, not, these aren't little holidays. This was like backpacking around Vietnam and Cambodia and, getting on the bullet train in Japan and not being able to read the signs and stuff. It, it was finding out how capable I actually was and far more resilient and able than I ever gave myself credit for. So it wasn't like I went on this voyage of discovery to find myself. It kind of happened. And it was like when I experienced things like my phone stopped working when I was in Bali, when I was, this is when I was still working for Sainsbury's, it took six weeks off. Sorry, I missed that bit of the story out. Um, like not, you know, the first thing I did, I did in the morning, not being to look at my emails and recognizing how different that felt. And actually that was the life that I wanted to lead. If I'd not experienced that, it just wouldn't have come, come my way. And in recent years, I guess I, get, I got more structured about it. I got coaches to help me. I work with a wonderful woman called Veronica Awusu. You might know her from LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think finding teachers in a way that can help you to unfurl those final layers, to fling off like that cloak of whatever you think you're supposed to be doing. And the reason you don't feel okay is because you're doing something you think you should be doing instead of just being. Um, and yeah, just a little bit at a time. But life brings it that way. You said about your friend, you know, losing your friend. That's what brought you to discovering yourself and trying to live differently I, I think life just does do that you just have to take the opportunity as the, as the opportunity to see if they come with a growth mindset of this could be a really good thing and see where you go yeah I think that's so, so important what you've said there Claire as well because um, a lot of people believe that so I said it when I was talking that, that thoughts drive behaviors but other people believe you've got to do something to change something mm. so and, and what you've said there is you've got to be open to the ideas and have that growth mindset, which is the mind part of it, but you've got to be able to go and do something, which, which is first for you. Do you, or do you do something first or do you think about it first? Uh, it depends, but I think action is far more important than theory in 
anything business um <laughs> relationships you know taking that first step and living with agility so i'm mixing some metaphors there between business and personal life um but for example like i could worry about oh i've been in lockdown i've put on weight and I could think about that and feel really bad about myself. Or I could go outside and have a walk and immediately feel better about the fact that I've put weight on during lockdown because I'm doing something about it. Um, but but that kind of relationship between thoughts, creating emotions, it took me quite a long time to realize that. And um, I, I think it might have been to do with the experience from my past and um, the domestic violence. But um, like I, I had the propensity to become my emotions so if I felt something bad, I would feel like that means I was bad, like something bad was happening and it wasn't. I was just experiencing an emotion and fighting it rather than just sitting with it and going, okay, and it will pass. And it took me probably till my mid-30s <laughs> to, to be able to disaggregate those two things and, and to develop a much kinder voice to myself. Again, for women, I think we are our own like bitchy, you know, <laughs> horrible horrible friends to ourselves sometimes and and for me that was another thing I had to really work on was you know developing self-compassion I've got so much compassion for the rest of the world for animals for friends for other women but I realized I didn't really have that much for myself and I'd be the first person to beat myself up if it would didn't go perfectly um, and yeah and that's a good point actually my perfectionism that I had in my younger days in my corporate days like I had to completely get rid of that and it's a bit up here sometimes done is better than perfect so you know take the step live with agility <laughs> you know just get something out there you know write that blog write that post um send that email call that friend organize that zoom you know like I did I felt lonely and isolated do you fancy a chat <laughs> to yeah. someone I hardly knew and look where it led me um I uh, think that's the power yeah and no, I agree with you and I think what, when you were telling your story and you said you reached out and you spoke to some amazing people that are now on this journey with you and you found um, your purpose and your reason yeah. why and, and um, were you searching for your reason and, and your why at that point in time because and you also said in fact actually so this is a multi-part question <laughs> oh gosh yeah no, I, I'm not that so, smart I know I said I was smart earlier but I'm not that smart to handle and, multi-part questions and it's only a multi-part <laughs> question because I always forget the first question I've asked before I ask the second one so it, but it just puts the onus on yourself okay um, so, <laughs> so, uh, so a when, podcaster I know that too. <laughs> <laughs> so you said that, that you were peeling the like peeling the onion back and peeling and getting mm. to going deeper and going deeper yeah. And and then lockdown hit, and and you were reaching out to other other women in in your space, in, in the CX space, and then finding that there were commonalities and things. Did you know? Did did you lose your purpose and lose your reason before that, and then you found it again, or is do you feeling that you're just on this journey to get to it? Does that make any sense? It does. It does. So so I felt like I lost my purpose when I was in corporate for sure. But when I left corporate and started my own business, I worked with a coach and they helped me identify my values. And I think values and purpose are very closely related. Um, my values have evolved over um, recent times, but, you know, the service of others, adding value, creating magic, like that, that's always been with me. I just had lost touch with it. Um, and, 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 and like with the women in CX thing, it started just with that first conversation and reaching out and it became what it is today. But it was the feeling I got when I connected with those women with real talk conversations fully, you know, 
not hiding anything, not being anything. You know, as a keynote speaker, it sometimes you fall into that trap of, you know, you have to present yourself as, you know, your bit your persona and like be funny. And um, well, I got quite a lot of celebrity with my career and the people like put me on a pedestal and I felt like I had to live up to that. So with these women and those conversations, it was just like, look, I'm right down here right now. <laughs> I know you thought I was some kind of rock star, but I'm a woman who's going through a really difficult time and just like feels like she's about to lose everything. Help me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 and the feeling I got of that vulnerability, stepping into that vulnerability, not running away from it, leaning into it. Um, it felt amazing. <laughs> Um, and that and and that's where it began and that's my, my purpose has evolved to do more of that and to help more women do that because I feel the power of it and when women do that together um magical things happen yeah so what's it like being a woman in CX <laughs> what's it like being a woman in CX probably like being a man in CX but with boobs <laughs> <laughs> no I'm only joking so um so, so it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a not a difficult question I'm, I'm going to be a bit controversial here because the way I've seen the world is we have a kind of CX patriarchy. So some white middle-aged men in America dictating what CX is in terms of frameworks. And interestingly, they're all related to like metrics and measurements. And they just happen to also own these massive companies that profit off the back of businesses being obsessed with CX metrics and measurement. Um, I personally, alongside a lot of other uh, women, believe actually CX is more about empathy an understanding and emotion and actually can I swear on this podcast yeah yeah of course you can yeah fuck the metrics look after people's interests understand their needs listen to them do what they, the actions that need to be taken in order to address their needs if you take that approach combined with like what what's your brand purpose how do you articulate that through the experiences your customers and employees have all those scores and metrics and those results will take care of themselves and I've lived it and I've proved it. And I'm one of the few people that delivered four million pounds return on investment off the back of it. But there are there are so many, and I say particularly men out there, um, propagating a different thing. And I talk to a lot of women that are existing the, the the current communities and they feel like they want to challenge it, but they can't. Yeah. And a, a bit policed. Um and and there's a bunch of again, white women in a <laughs> in a particular country who like have succeeded and risen massively but have no interest in supporting anyone else to rise up so when I first left corporate I reached out to a few and I was like oh we can I have a chat because I want to start my own business and be a keynote speaker outside of you know business and they just didn't even reply to me so I was like hang on a minute <laughs> um, but what I found actually was you know but beneath the, the two bad examples were these millions of women well, there's millions but hundreds of women that I've now connected with who are united with the same purpose and want to support one another completely smash the stereotype out the window and are open for debate and bigger thinking than what we've been told and up for developing the practice of CX so being a woman in CX on my own um, was hard <laughs> but being a woman in CX with the support of my fellow women in CX helping one another is a very different place so I'd say actually right now and where we're heading it's an awesome place to be I wouldn't want it any other way <laughs> yeah so the the thing the the question that I've got in my mind is um is it about boobs well, what it, it'd be like it, to have boobs <laughs> yes it was and I, I, just, I, I just I'm trying to answer that one before asking the question yeah so I was yeah after I've passed that question <laughs> mm -hmm. it's it's why women in I, I guess what I want to try to understand is 
I don't know men that feel the same way. And, well, okay. Sorry, yeah, sorry. I don't know men that feel the same way as what you're mm. saying and doing. Mm. And, and is it empathy in CX or people in CX? Or is it is it the, the collective women in CX and that movement? I'm just trying to understand, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I get that. So we have women in CX and allies. So there are definitely men who are supportive of what we're doing. So supportive, they want to get involved and be mentors and be part of our faculty and help, you know, change the face of CX um, to be more diverse and more inclusive. So there is definitely a place for men in women in CX. However, do they need boobs? Do you you have like some women in CX boobs? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. They can, they can stick, remain the gender that they that they want to be. Um, and for women, I think it's the difference is the reason why we're building a women's only community is that there there are very few safe spaces to meet and talk about the, the other stuff. So on my podcast, for example, we've talked about racism, homophobia, um, sexual assault, harassment, sexism. Those conversations, when they happen between two women or groups of women, are not the same as when they're in a public forum or when men are present. So um, I believe that creating spaces that are for women only is a, is an okay and a good thing to do. Um, and you know, I'm not saying we're excluding men entirely because our allies will uh, allies all, can't, <laughs> our, not wheels, our allies will be there alongside us, but they won't be in the social network. So if you can imagine LinkedIn, but without trolls, guys hitting on you, and um, everybody greeting you with positivity and kindness because that's our community guidelines. That's the experience we're creating within our new social network Got platform, um, and then the ability to attend events and we're going to listen to the community and learn as we go what they need you know along the way um and bring in ted thought leadership ted star talks about cx and other areas i had a conversation with a woman who works for a, a um un ngo this morning to come in and talk about you know raise awareness of um violence against women in in wartime you know they <laughs> you know the safe spaces for women where we can discuss the thing those things and explore the intersections of our feminism um and and when i say women i mean anyone who identifies as female by the way yeah. so women with an x <laughs> yeah gotcha gotcha no thank you for that and what's your vision or dream for it so where do you see where do you see it going or where would you like it to be <laughs> you're not the first person that's that's asked me this <laughs> and um and i really don't know because like, at the moment i've just worked out that I need 200 members paying 50 pounds a month in order to sustain this to wash its face as in to pay for the community managers and um, to pay speakers to come in we've got some really lofty goals in terms of creating scholarships for women from minorities and socioeconomically deprived backgrounds and to do mentor matching we've got the goal of investing all of our profits back into charities that women um, that, that fund those you know women's rights issues that we will probably never touch other than raise awareness for um but i can't think that far ahead i've had investors approach me already to ask to buy this outright to take 30 percent at this stage even though we haven't even launched so it feels like there's huge potential there um i think for me i just have to keep focused on now being in the present and creating something that people really want to be part of and until um you know, we've got we're flooded with members trying to get in <laughs> and on the waiting list. I don't think it, it's my anywhere beyond that in terms of a strategic plan. Right now, it's just about creating awesome, enabling, uh, using our platform to raise the voices of women that need to be heard and creating those spaces for us to, to, to collaborate together. 
Gotcha. And what's your plan for? I the- seem short-sighted. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Because I, I think I think that's really I think it's really important because I think if you focus on the now, then you can make sure that that is as impactful and and gets the movement going as as much as possible. If you're focusing too much into the future, yeah. then 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 that's not going to happen, is it? You, you're no. going to. I think you've got to be in the present and you've got to engage the right people, understand what they need, and take everybody with you, mm-hmm. or else it's just. Or else it's a short-term vision, isn't it? Because it's just yeah. you, you and the few people that are setting it up, or the mm-hmm. army of people that are setting it up, that yeah. are defining that. Um, yeah. And, so and it's, it's, it's with agility. So we're going to learn as we get members in, if they're aligned with our purpose and our values and want to be part of this bigger, higher purpose that we're trying to serve in the long term, they're the people that will help to... Um, to I suppose financially keep us going to be able to achieve that so I guess they've got to be bought into the dream of the future but then it's up to us to deliver really high value content events those spaces that we talked about be asking the right questions putting the right polls up to (laughs) enable people to connect together we've built the right platform to do it but um, kind of beyond beyond that like what what's the point of thinking ahead because we're going to learn in that first month of being open with our first month of content that we thought based on research and insight is the right thing but we're going to ask them what do you want next you know how did that feel do you want more of this or would you like something else and and i I think you know having the flexibility and the agility of of not being wedded to an idea and a plan means that you can be completely responsive to the needs of your users yeah. So, I, so I think I, probably, I don't know if I'd articulated that even to my team before, but you know, at the moment, um, the first when the gates open, the gates. <laughs> imagine people running in, <laughs> doors open. You know, we're looking for like-minded women who want to be part of the long-term journey to that higher purpose, and yeah. And when do the doors open? So, um, and because I think this podcast is going to go out around the same time as when the doors oh. are opening. Oh, International Women's Day, March the eighth, twenty twenty-one. A very important day so um we're doing a launch event um that we're inviting people to as of next week actually which will be a month ago by the time we <laughs> we publish this podcast um but we're inviting them to an, a taster event so we're going to do like a little bit of this is who we are and this is what we're about is that interesting to you but then we're actually going to set up a an experience of what it will be like to attend one of our community events and get them to go off into rooms and discuss issues and make connections together and come back and share with the group so yeah Love it, love it. From day so, one. <laughs> so I guess um, if people want to know more about you, uh, I'm not wrapping up now, but I think just I think it's <laughs> important point. Uh, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'm letting you off the hook. Yeah, we're not we're not doing that. I'm not ending it yet. Um, more questions I've got to ask. But if people want to know more about how they could join, where they could go, what they could do, what mm. they'll find, where would what what would they do, and where would they go? Yeah, so a nice entry point might be the podcast. So on any podcast platform, just search "Inspiring Women in CX" and you'll find us on every platform and two series of podcasts um in terms of joining if you head to womenincx.community that's our website there's a landing page there you can access all of our blogs and um, podcast episodes there too but it's also got the form to fill in to get invited to um join the waiting list for membership um yeah and linkedin actually i'm always on linkedin and instagram (laughs) the cx nomad women in cx claire musket any of those you'll find me (laughs) yeah and, and now on clubhouse as well and now on Clubhouse as well, which is where we met. I can't believe we haven't told our little how we met story. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Are, we, are we finding Clubhouse? Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Clubhouse. And I, I, did, a, I did a presentation, about, a presentation, like a talk about it the other day. Because I was saying like, 
it's got potential to be incredible because you get that, that real talk that I'm talking about that I love. Um, you get to see people for who they are and there's the opportunity to really build like your own personal brand and people knowing you, liking you, interesting you. So when I'm in rooms with people who are on that path, the same, you know, kind of route as me and they believe in that kind of thing, it's brilliant. And I make people feel like you and you offer to come and um, have me on your podcast and for me to share my story and promote women in CX. Amazing. But then there's this other side to it, which is all these gurus basically talking absolute bullshit and reeling people into their coaching programs for like really high costs and um like i don't i'd been told to follow people like grant cardone and like the stuff that started appearing in my feed and the conversations i was getting invited to i was just like unfollow because clearly there's a type of um thinking and behavior that goes with that which is all like kind of money 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 and i'm all purpose 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 yeah he's there um yeah. And then me, you know, like going into a room and having a laugh with um, the laughter man. Like, <laughs> that was awesome. And I just, well, you know, strolled across that because I was listening to Clubhouse on the way to see my horse. Yeah. Yep, I have a horse again now. And uh, and yeah, I had a really difficult morning and you were just saying, come in, celebrate and commiserate. And, and here we are today. Another there one of those sliding door moments. Completely. completely. What's your horse called? Buster. Buster. <laughs> big, big King Buster. Yeah, he's massive. He's 17-3 of Irish sports horse for any horsey fans out there. So, well, yeah. I mean, that means absolutely nothing to me, but <laughs> I, I, I'll tell but, you where it's a big horse. Yeah, well, put put it into context. I'm five foot six, which is probably about average height for a woman. And his shoulders are about that much higher than me when I'm standing up. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and he weighs about a ton. Wow. So, yeah, imagine a very small, <laughs> yeah, uh, relatively small woman with this, like, gigantic horse. That, yeah, Wow. So when when you're riding Buster, you look you look really far away, but Buster will look really close. <laughs> really nearby. Yeah, yeah. He, he does actually. I've, I've not got any photos of him in here. I'm in my lounge, but like I'll, I'll have to post one at the end on the post roll or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, amazing. I mean, so this um, this conversation is going to be part of a Confident Women Leaders series, and this is the episode one for that. Um, what do you think makes a confident women leader or woman leader? Yeah. And this is funny because I'd say like to every, almost every woman I've spoken to suffers with some level of imposter syndrome. So, um, you know, there's real confidence and there's fake confidence and the fake confidence is probably, you know, the flashy people that you see on Instagram, uh, who are very skinny and look very nice. But if you met them on Clubhouse, you probably, you would see a different side. Um, and then there's like genuine kind of shines from the inside out confidence that I think can only come from being truly happy with yourself and at peace with yourself and loving yourself and um, I think for me personally yeah I had a lot of shit happen to me that knocked my confidence um, when I was young and then um, these kind of moments in my my career you know I, I would stand on stage as a keynote speaker in front of thousands of people but sometimes I'd, you know, come home and not, not be able to have a conversation with a guy like on a date because it just felt too awkward. So um, so I think real, real confidence is just about being able to go. I am who I am. I love who I am. And I accept that person with all of their little mis- weirdnesses and mistakes. And I don't have to be perfect. And when I meet women who have really got that down, like it's like a light shines and they smile and they, you know, they may be com- not conventionally beautiful like the women on Instagram, but they are so much more beautiful because you can feel who they are, not just see it. So 
so I'd say like kind of think about what confidence really means if you're imagining it's being able to do brave things yeah (laughs) um or like you know have job titles like I had or like keynote speakers I wasn't brave back then I wasn't confident really back then I haven't discovered that until until much more recently and it's a lot less flashy it's a lot less showy and it isn't um like bossiness like arrogance I think sometimes gets confused with confidence like oh how how is she ask that I think it's about boundaries having clear good healthy boundaries being able to say no to what you don't want because you know what you want and you know you're worth what you want (laughs) and believe me I am not all the way on my journey I've still got days where I think god I can't go go on camera I can't like go on that podcast I'm going to completely mess this up but as I said earlier in the podcast you know developing that voice of saying you're okay you're going to be fine you've got this (laughs) isn't um something that someone else can tell you it's something that that really does come from from within um and yeah and if anyone's thinking oh look at her she's really confident just trust me sister we all have the same emotions, feelings, and some days don't feel confident at all. <laughs> yeah, com- yeah, completely. I, I think what you've said there, something that popped into my head, it's like you being more comfortable looking in the mirror than looking out of the window. Mm. And I, I think um, that's that's the, that's the phrase that came into my head when you when you were talking about about yeah. that's you've got to be really comfortable with who you see and the reflection mm. that you get back in the in the mirror, as opposed to be more comfortable looking out of the window at everybody else. Um, yeah yeah and it's weird that you say that because I used to I don't know why it's probably a bit deep for this podcast but I I used to worry about looking inside because I didn't know what I was going to find I was petrified of it um and it was only through doing the work with a really you know awesome coach that helped me get there and I looked inside and now I've got my happy place and it's actually this really beautiful cave and it's got like a river um running through it and this huge waterfall and there's just sparkles everywhere um (laughs) But I think for for a lot of for a lot of women, like you don't get the help to get over trauma that might have created that feeling in the first place, um, or experiences from your past that made you feel like you weren't worthy. And for anyone listening who's experienced that, feel free to reach out to me anytime because um, <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're dead right though as well because I think it's 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 really. A lot of people, so we said before we hit record that, um, and the reason why I wanted to do the, the Confident Women Leaders conversation is because 70% of the people that attend my courses are, are female. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's really difficult to ask yourself the questions and give yourself an honest answer. I think it's always easier for, to have somebody else ask you the question because they mm-hmm. won't stop and ask you the next question until the, the time's right. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like coaching is a wonderful thing. And there's like, for me, there's, I've had a combination like coaching, which is find out the answer for yourself, but I'll ask you the right question. So you find it mentoring. I've been where you are before and I can see myself in you and I can help you with my experience. There's also therapy, which I think kind of stands over there. So for like deeper um, issues that relate back to um formative times like a a coach or a mentor can't fix that for you you need a qualified therapist um and and I find um other coaches in other ways like I had a personal trainer amazing for like fitness and nutrition um like none of these people are gurus or presenting themselves as knowing all the answers they've got a set of skills patience and the kind of attitude that wants to nurture you um 
Yeah, and you you can't you probably can't do it all by yourself. No, and friends. I've, like, I've, sorry, friends. That like, is in like you know, I was talking about this community of women that I now find myself surrounded by, loving, caring, compassionate people who feel genuine empathy for one another. When you surround yourself with people like that, it reflects of you too, and you become like the six people you surround yourself with. So that'd be the other thing I'd say if you're not feeling confident, take a look around you. How are you being? treated what's your boss like what's your partner like how do your friends treat you because i think sometimes the reason our confidence is is low is actually to do with um the, the situation we find ourselves in yeah i, I agree entirely so I, I didn't say this before but i said about chris's three lessons and the first one was always being yourself the second one was make good friends because ah, yeah. you never know when you're going to need them and, mm. and that's what he said as he was lying on his bed um oh, but i think it, i think it's so true in life that whether it's clients, customers, peers, leaders, um, it's make stronger connections because you never know where they're going to lead, do you? Exactly. I think it's so powerful. And I think what you're starting and that movement that you're starting, the connection, the collaboration, the community, that mm-hmm. you're, who knows where it's going to end up. And I think it's beautiful that you don't know where it's going to end up and you've not defined where it's going to end up because you. you're building it as you go. So I just want to say good luck with, with all of that that you've got going. Um, final question for you, Claire. Um, what are you having for your tea? <laughs> what are you having for my tea? Mm, so I should be having something very healthy because I'm on a health kick again before like we actually come out of lockdown. <laughs> I've got a bit of a goal to to to, to get in slightly better shape than I am right now. But I had a, a Borough Box delivered from a client as a thank you for an event that I ran and curated uh, last week. And it's full of cheese and biscuits and jams and chocolate Amazing. and Prosecco. So I think I'm just going to eat that whole box because I deserve it. <laughs> and because you can. And because you can't, yeah. And it's a cold day in London and, you know, nobody's going to see me in a bikini for a long time. So <laughs> <laughs> what have we got to lose? And, and I just wanted to say to you as well, I think it's awesome what you're doing. And I think, you know, you asked me that question about, like, you know, women not kind of working with men to solve these problems. And I think it's awesome to see um, men acting as allies, but actually doing something about it and helping women and mentoring them and being parts of these types of conversations and, sharing this with the world so i just wanted to say um, good on you as well i think it's a great initiative and oh, thanks, thanks very for much having for me. no it's yeah. been an absolute pleasure so one more time where can people find more about you oh uh yeah so linkedin claire musket on instagram the cx nomad google women in cx we're ranking at number one so you can find us there on any podcast platform just search inspiring women in cx and, and you'll find us there amazing amazing well i'll let you go and enjoy your cheese and your prosecco <laughs> Um, have an amazing um, rest of your day and week and uh, good luck with the launch and hopefully speak to you very soon thanks so much for having me bye now bye everyone thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved you can contact Lee on LinkedIn Facebook Instagram or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton the Business Problem Solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.